Good morning, fellow Gooners. Welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. Actually, our last episode of the season. Uh, hope you guys enjoy. Uh, I'm your host, morning, my course as usual, Aiden. I guys, final game of the season and final podcast of the season. Um, you know, Arsenal take on Wolves, a, a game a lot of people thought, you know, maybe it was the game that we'd be lifting a trophy up at the Eminence, but, you know, that aside, you know, still hoping to end off the season on a high. Yeah. Arsenal, of course, also donning the new 23-24 season out kit for the final league match of the season. Um, were the rumours also about, you know, with it being uh, Granit Xhaka's final Arsenal swan song? Um, the Gunners were also building up the at- atmosphere. I mean, it was more of a, you know, carnival type atmosphere. And I mean, it was also a fitting way also to give him a sort of solid sending of, you know, no pun intended. But I mean, you know, as a thank you for what he's done to the club, like, or for the club. Yeah, I know. He really grew on me. Like, you know, from the start, you know, I always had a soft spot for him, even though, you know, I used to get frustrated with him. You know, he just yeah. always was hardworking, very honest player, you know, always getting, never allowing his players to get bullied, his teammates. So, you know, you, you could see he had a lot of love for the club. I think one thing that also stood out to me, and I think I mentioned it quite a lot of times to you, and I think on the podcast as well, but I mean, what I was liked about him, if you think of his age, and yet when he would talk to the to the youngsters, he never like speak like down to them. He almost like would speak to them on on their like almost like on his level. So I mean they also like mature in that that, that sense. And so you can see that the sort of love and appreciation that the likes of uh, Saka and even Odegaard has for for Granite. So I mean I'm mean, whatever happens happens. I mean look we don't know his final destination yet because I mean I heard besides Leverkusen there's also Bayern Munich that are uh, getting involved. So I mean I'm. I'm sure most of the Gooners also wish him well for you know future endeavors. Yeah, I think we do. I think it also it's so hard of feeling. Obviously, would it be nice for him to stay? But I think you know maybe also Bayern Munich would be a club where he could also win some more silver way to cap off his career. Yeah. So um, with the, with regards to the match now, Ian, um, Arteta was like sticking with the same eleven that lost away to Forest. Um, what also did actually impress me was. Uh, you know, we started off at four three three, and as the game like progressed, um, Arsenal started adapting a more three two five formation. I mean, for me, it was the first to see something like that. I mean, you you really see you know five go, five players going to attack, but I think it also comes down to uh, you know your opposition because I don't think you you know pull a stunt like that if you're playing like say a Man City or a Newcastle or something like that. So yeah. I think the year was now ideal time to not try something out. Um, what was your thoughts in the first like five minutes, five ten minutes of the match? No, I think it was a solid start. But before going into that, I was a bit, um, you know, you could see the fact that that Kivio going left back, you know, what it meant for probably Kieran Tierney and the club. I mean, the fact that you know Arteta chose not to play when he could have, um, you know, for the past two games. I think you know Arsenal did take control of the game. Wolves seemed like they were on holiday actually. You know that they. Or just saved from relegation, and Arsenal were the ones playing the ball around. Solid start, and kind of a start you would have seen Arsenal have at home when they weren't under the pressure of the title race. You know, when it got to that uh, that latter part of the season. Because yeah. I mean, in the 11th minute, uh, Jesus, you know, skins the right back Bueno, and the Brazilian in, ends up sending a delightful cross, and Jacques gets in there first and knocks the ball home, and Arsenal go one up. 
Yeah, no, the goal was coming and, and the Wolves had no answer for it. Like I said, you know, that they were second best to everything. Mm-hmm. Arsenal seemed sharper. Like I said, it, it kind of reminded us of the Arsenal of, you know, pre-World Cup and, you know, first few games yeah. after the World Cup. Yeah, then three minutes later, uh, Saka bursts into the box, sends in a cross, Odegaard ends up flicking the ball on with his boot and it def- ends up deflecting off uh, Max Kilman and in the path of Granit Xhaka, it a simple job just to side foot the ball home to empty net 2 0 Arsenal. Yeah, isn't this one of his best scoring seasons? Um, if I'm not mistaken, because yeah. I mean, the number of goals that he scored, you know, no perfect send of the last answer, they say. Yeah. Then 27 minutes, Wolves again asleep in defense. The Sarasaka gets into the box and sends a vicious curler past Jose Sain, the Wolves goal, and Arsenal goes 3 0 up. Yeah, that was a very dangerous finish, actually. You know, top-quality goal, 3-0 up and, you know, coasting. I mean, this game, we were really just colliding their way through Wolves and Wolves just had no answer to us. Yeah, I think there was a fit of that, you know, that old carnival-type atmosphere. I mean, the, the, the fans were loving it. They were, you know, also all riled and whatever as well. So it made also for a more entertaining type of game. Um, then, second half, Arsenal still, you know, one-way traffic. 58th minute, Jorginho ends up releasing Trossard, who easily ends up beating Samedo. The Belgian then sends a loopy cross across the Wolves box. Uh, Jesus attacks the ball and Power headers the ball home. 4-0 Arsenal. Um, Trossard really became a, an assist king, actually. Eh? I mean, yeah. you know, he's a, he, he's a good player to, to, to have to open up teams. I mean, even if he sits behind two strikers, I'm sure he could make a, a lot of uh, cause a lot of havoc, but you know, two assists in the game already. Arsenal four 0 up, and like you said, one way traffic. But you know, and what also impressed me now, since I forget to tell you this, but I mean, the way Jorginho at the moment, the way he dissects teams with that, that either over the top pass or one of the hard flat passes that that finds its target. I mean, this was like something that we're not that used to at the moment that we've now seen. We What's, uh, what what Jorginho is now adding to the team now as well? Yeah, it reminds me of like you know the Chabi Alonso type passes that he always just make. Yeah. They don't they don't move much really, but you know they find themselves in the right position and they just you know release the ball quick very quickly. They don't hang on to the ball, so you know maybe there is you know space for him also next season at the club. You know with Jaka leaving and and hopefully getting two replacements. You need a guy like Jorginho who can still. You know, especially if they get to try to do that thing with party playing as a right back from time to time and slotting in as a as a second midfielder. Yeah, because I mean, I think what I actually enjoy watching when he when he passes is like he does a short, snappy passes, but there's enough weight on it, so it almost like it always reaches its target. It's not gonna, you know, like the thing that where you and I would get so on our nerves with with Thomas Party that we we say something like his balls are stuck, it's starving like, of reaching its target because there's not enough weight on the pass. Yeah, no, it's definitely, you know, his pass are always firm and crisp. He never, he never gives the ball away cheaply and then putting your team under pressure. Then 78-minute Wolves fail to clear corner. Kivio ends up swinging a leg. That Jose Sa ends up, you know, t- making a total mess-up and ends up spilling the ball into his net. 5-0 Arsenal. Yeah, oh, a, rug- a rugby score. And, you know, Arsenal not as free-flowing as this in a while, you know, at home. Yeah. And if they are free flowing, they normally concede at some point. So I was waiting for us to concede. Yeah, and I mean, look, Arsenal end up seeing the game out, and with City losing at Brentford, 
The city, you know, city season ends with them winning the title and only having a five-point lead on us. But that being said, you know, city were always in control of their own destiny. And I mean, I think where we went off the the track and off the boil, they just had they targeted and and once the job was done, you could see they you know started downing tools because I mean they they did enough to now you know edge them forward in the title race. Yeah, um, uh, you know, you know, those heartbreak, not heartbreaking. You know, the heartbreaking was done probably you know after the city lost or after we we lost to Brighton with a true heartbreaking team. So it's kind of you know you made peace with it, but. Um, you know that being said, next season will be it will be the first time the podcast get, will be um, discussing a Champions League game. So, you know we've we've seen it all. We've seen it from the the ups and the downs, the the good and the bad. So yeah. it'll be nice to hear that Champions League anthem ringing through the stadium at the Emirates once again. So. You know, if you ask the start of the season, what is it we wanted? I mean, you know, we first would have said Champions League spot as a stepping stone for for better things. And now we've got that. And, you know, thanks to Arteta and the team who, you know, obviously didn't have the best end of the season, but, you know, for for fighting continuously and, and bringing that passion back in, in games, you know, where, where that every goal and every game mattered to you so much that, you know, that it was so important to win the game and, and get points. So, you know, thanks to the team and, and, and thanks to the fans also for the support at the stadium throughout the season. You know, one thing, I, I mean, I don't think I've ever told you this, and I mean, I, you will probably hear now the first time also with the listeners. Uh, you know, the, the, the part, look, for me, it was like a bitter pull to swallow, not only, you know, losing out on it, and that, but then also then sitting through that, that, that sort of, almost like being a sucker for punishment, but sitting through the, the Man City win, and then, and then raising the trophy. But I think what, what cut me up actually is more than anything, when I saw that heartbroken look on Ian Wright's face, you know, when it now everything was done and dusted, I mean, almost like I could feel almost like what he was feeling. And I'm sure every Arsenal fan also felt the same way because when you see, you know, a, a grown man like that who's, you know, been there, done that, you know, got the t shirt, everything. And when you see like the way his world is on through the course of the season, and when you see him sitting there almost like a, a off or partial broken man, I mean it, it really hits home then, you know, how hard the sort of even though yes, it was a fantastic season by Arsenal, where they went even beyond their own expect- expectations. But I mean to see like a lead a club legend like Ian Wright, where he's like, you know, close to tears tells you how, you know, almost like close we were or touching distance of the, the, the trophy. Yeah, it was the closest we've been in a very long time. Yes, the Leicester City season, we were close, but you know, we threw it away and then, you know, we lost it by 10 points, but they won it quite comfortably. But in this case, you know, it was, you know, we, we literally went to just do what we had to do. We could have won the title because, um, you know, that, that, that throw at Anfield was really a tipping point, I think, which led to like a whole lot of snowball of results. But, you know, even if we picked ourselves up after that, it could have been, you know, points in the bag. We dropped four points. Um, you know, we dropped another two with, with, with Southampton. And you kind of look, if you had to put pressure on Man City, I'm not saying they would have had the same results for Brighton, but those are very two tricky games that would, you would have had to go play away from home. And, and with the thought of an FA Cup final and a Champions League final in the back of your mind, you know, Things happen, but I think 
like you said, you know, you could see that heartbreak when you just saw like how we just fell off like that. Yeah. It would have been a different story if we pushed them till the last day of the season, but it was just like the wheels just all fell off all at once. Okay, so now we now to the next part of the podcast. Um, you know, the, the sort of play of the season section and, and all that, that comes with it. So I'll be asking you, you're going to give me your answer and then I will be telling you that mine also. So play of the season for you, Aiden. For me, it is, oh, this is a toss-up between the two, but I'm going with with Martin Odegaard. Just yeah. for the sake, my other very close one was Bukayo Sako, but, you know, Bukayo Sako has always been taking the limelight for the past few seasons, but Odegaard, I think he could have been joint top scorer, or is he, was he one behind the top scorer, if I'm not mistaken, but... I you just know, this, not <laughs> Yeah, your tight top scorer from the sentiment position... And I feel he got some crucial goals in games. It's crucial points. I think that this the the, um, the Tottenham game for one, also the the Newcastle game. I think and he and he, and he pulled the team a lot of the time. You know when the chips were down, he yes he had some anonymous performances, but when the chips were down, um, he was the guy that you know led by example, pulled the team. Sometimes took the game with the scuff of the neck when no one else wanted to. So yeah, for me, you know, I'm going Martin Odegaard. Uh, for me, it'll be William Saliba because I just felt when his injury occurred, I mean, when look, he was still playing through the threshold in the Lisbon game because it happened, I think, the Fulham game that, that we felt so awkwardly. But I just felt the minute he got injured, it also, it, like, we lost all solidity in defence. All of a sudden, we looked nervous at everything. And by the time Rob Holding was coming in, I mean, it's all like the damage was done already. Yeah, no, I, I can agree with you with that. I mean, that was probably the tipping point in our season. Yeah. Uh, your disappointment of the season from the players? Sure. Disappointment of the season. Um, I'm going to have to go with with Gabriel. Because the reason why he was solid all season, but the reason why I'm going for him because the, the moment... Saliba was gone. It's almost like he lost all all his cool. I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not ranking him on his all performance because if you look at the team for most part, everybody did their part. You know yes. that they're starting eleven. Okay, so for me, okay, I just want to stop you. You can go on with your your explanation. But for me, when I'm going to give you also mine later on, it's going to be the same thing like you said. We it's like you're not judging him and like just writing them off. It's just like how how you feel. Even though if you give him say a high mark, you can still you know. Criticize like certain aspects of the game, and that is what I'm trying to put across. But go on. Yeah. So, so with Gabriel, it's almost like you know you expected him to step up, you know, in the absence of of Saliba. But it's almost like he, it was like he went off his off his rails, but and he was doing silly challenges. He was like you know it's almost like he lost that leadership. And I think Saliba was probably the leader of the two at the back. So I'm gonna go with Gabriel. Okay. Uh, for me, it was Zinchenko. Um, even though, like, you'll hear in the ratings thing, you'll get decent marks. But I just felt when we needed these sort of... I mean, I remember there was 10 games to go, and I still told you, you know, oh, they, they, like, with that championship mentality, you're going to need these sort of uh, thinking, or, or even Gabriel Jesus. And for me, they were almost like leaving us really, really short. Okay, I'm not going to... Zinchenko is the one that I've chosen as the sort of Achilles heel there with that, that problem there, with that, uh, the way things were going wrong in the last, like, seven games even. He was doing things more risky, and 
Yeah. But now, I think by now, as, as we all said, like throughout the podcast or the latter parts of the podcast, where the minute that, that uh, inverted left back situation got uh, figured out by most coaches, they were almost like nullifying that, that real strength that he was bringing to the, the squad for two thirds of the season. And yeah. then see, he was getting caught in position. They already knew to almost like sort of spoil things where they have a, a runner between the lines, like the op- opponents where. They don't let Rams get the pass off to him or, you know, without either of them going to be under pressure. And that is, of course, a lot of problems. And, I mean, I'm sure you, if you go down the track list of that last, say, 10 games, all that sort of errors that led to goals were things where he was also getting involved in. Because even that, that goal, that, that one crazy game was Southampton, where he's actually asking for the ball and yet there's two guys closing in on Rams. And by the time Rams yeah. gets, like nervous, the ball gets kicked straight to the player. Yeah, I know. 100% spot on. Yeah. Uh, your goal of the season? Goal of the season? I'm going to go with uh, Martin Odegaard at, at, at Spurs. You know, that's it, the way he just hit that ball from range. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to go with that. Uh, mine will be Saliba versus Bournemouth. I mean, that's part of me <laughs> what to go for. Reese Nelson, but I mean, I just thought to myself to see a centre back score left the foot of the off volley that goes in the top corner. You don't see it that often. Yeah, it was an excellent goal. Come to think of it, even Zinchenko agreed with him when he just held his head. <laughs> um, for Arsenal, who's your signing of the season? Signing of the season, I'm gonna go with um. Jesus, like if you look at the signing, I think I would go with Jesus. Trossard, you know, it was good, but I think Jesus did get some good goals at, at good times. And also, we did miss him when he when he was injured at the initial part. Yeah, I mean, for me, it, it, Trossard gets a nod because, uh, you know, there were sometimes parts of me it was thinking, you know, if only he'd been signed even just a bit earlier than that. Because yeah. when, when you see, like the same what you were saying earlier on in the podcast about if you look at the numbers of him like in the assist column, I look every time he is quite unlucky with goals because sometimes it takes world he saves or keepers to deny him. But I mean, like the way he, he was like, he, I don't know, it reminds me of a Sandy Cazola 2.0, the way he can wriggle himself into all situations and cause total havoc. Yeah, that shot that comes to mind that goal against Southampton almost that he would have had when he hits that shot just after he equalized and. Yeah, yeah, the keeper's fingertips just lets it clatter on the crossbar or the ball just dips enough to eat the crossbar. And then in the Premier League, who is your signing of the season in general? Like any club? Yeah, it's, got, it's probably got to be Ireland. Yes, mean, yes, okay, we... <laughs> just just the, the fact that what he, he did for City, I mean, if you take him out of that City side, I mean, nobody will get 36 goals and you take, you know, you got some important goals, so... You know, was, I think they they signing of the season basically won them the title. Yeah, because I mean I've never seen you know and you know what I can believe when like I think with his first or second hat trick I'm like this is like a fluke, and then you see the scoring hat trick. I mean like, <laughs> now match balls he was collecting already in the first part of the season, and I thought Jesus Christ, this guy's numbers are totally off the charts. I mean when last have you even seen numbers like that? But a quick question is, do you think he would have done the same against guys like John Terry, Rio Ferdinand, Sol Campbell? 
You know, and that's a different time, but if you put him up against, because nowadays, like, they don't make the defenders the same as they used to, you know? I mean, look, you, you saw how he harasses. I mean, <laughs> look, you know, uh, someone like Saliba is a cool and calm character, and yet he rattled him in, in matches or, you know, yeah, you experienced defenders when you watch him really cause havoc, and then, you know, you, you don't know whether you must. I think that, like, if I, if I go over the course of the whole season, if you either deny him, not many have, but I think that's the one way of uh, you know overcoming City. And the other way was the way Rudiger played against him, because I think Rudiger actually of all players that I've seen in Europe or, or England is the one that has played him the best. Like you know, like half breathing down his neck, not letting him get that sort of space. You yes. know, you know, getting his foot stuck in. And I think maybe teams should be taking a page out of that book to see how to to really mark somebody like Ireland because. Other than that, he's going to just bully and bump you around. Yeah, I know. Like he did to Rob Holding. It was too easy. Yes, exactly. Um, your game of the season, Aiden? Must be Arsenal United at the Emirates. I think it was a, for me a tipping point of Arsenal. You know, um, you know, in a good way. I think we showed fighting spirit. We were down, uh, you know, at one stage. And the United at that point, you know, were flying high and, and were kind of spoke about as title favourites. And I mean... You know, edging it like that in the 90th minute against Man United couldn't have been sweeter. Uh, for me, game of the season will be Arsenal 3, Bournemouth 2. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I think you still mentioned to me afterwards in the WhatsApp where you said it was like, felt like you just had a workout, your muscles were sore. And, and I mean, that is how I felt that. I mean, and also that relief, you you felt that euphoria. It was not only going on in the stadium, but the way the players were like all running in different directions. Uh, Reese Nelson being the calmest character, he was scoring such a vital goal. But I mean, just that, that sort of relief because look, everything was on, on tender hooks going like when we were 3 1, uh, 2 1 down, or 2 0 actually at one point. But then now you're thinking, like, how are we going to get out of this conundrum? And that, and I mean, they almost like pulled out all the stops. And, and mind you, at that day, it was my wedding day as well. So I was trying to watch the game on my phone, and, and every now and then, when I got a chance, and you know, looking at my phone, and then the, 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 I was I felt really stressed out. And then I just admit, like I looked at the score and the game, and it was like, and it was just before I had to walk in for the reception, and it was it was two all. And then I just saw your message saying like, "What a effing game!" And then I just checked my phone again, and I realized we just won three two because of that. And I was like, "Oh, what, like what a what a moment to 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 make me." Even more euphoric walking into the reception of the wedding. And I think, you know what, what also makes it even more, uh, you know, like out of this world type of thing. Look, uh, if, if anybody has also played football and you know that, that sort of anticipation and, and you're pushing for the win and whatever, and you see at the end of the game, your opponents are laying sprawled on the ground. You, you know, even with your legs on, you're on your last legs and you still have that little bit of energy to, you know, jump around and, and that, was that you know that wrote like a thousand words that picture? Yeah, no, that was you know the, I think Arsenal probably believed that you know this could be the yeah. title to win. Yeah. So now we move on to the next section, uh, the player ratings of the season. Um, I'm going to start off with Ramsell. I gave him a seven out of ten. Yeah, I'm I'm going at eight there. I think yeah. you know barring those those silly errors which everybody made it on the team. I think. You know, that save that he made was out of this world once again. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it for me. Uh, ben White, I gave a 7 out of 10. I just felt at times 
he was doing well for majority of the season, and then I think mentally he just got kind of played into the ground, and I think that is where we saw that sort of lack of concentration happening more and more in games. Because look, that was something that was totally strange to him if you think in the first half year of the season. Yeah, no, are you going to go all your defenders or must I go with you um, um player for player? I've got to take defenders. I mean, you can... Okay, then, okay, then you go. Then you, yeah, okay, cool. Then you go through it all there. Okay. Uh, Tommy Yasu, I gave a six. I think injuries ravaged this season, which kind of ravaged also certain parts of our, you know, game. Because you couldn't really give uh, someone like Ben White a break. Um, Saliba, I gave a nine. Because I just think, I mean... For somebody that came out from was it two loans in a row and then coming back this strong into a league which was now all like foreign to him. Um Kivio, I gave a six because I just think to myself, uh, look, he came with a big reputation. He had a very, very nervous beginning and that and then afterwards he almost like looked way stronger, you know, finishing off the season, which I mean but I mean he just gets a six. Gabriel, I gave an eight. Um as I said, I had the same sort of problems we you would have with him where his, his concentration levels without Saliba sometimes gets all over the place where he gets himself into needless situations. Um, Rob Holding, I gave a five. I personally think this should be, you know, like he's sort of swan song because I, d- I don't think for the future somebody like that needs to be playing for a club like Arsenal because, I mean, no disrespect, but we also have to move with the times because you can't have somebody like that uh, that makes the same errors over and over and I expect him to still turn out in your colours in the Champions League. And yeah, then, so, I, I, mean, would, so, I still got two left backs. Uh, Zinchenko gave a seven. Oh, yes. As I said before, I mean, I, there were certain aspects of his game that disappointed me, but I mean, for all in all, he was almost like a revelation to me. Like, if you think of the majority of the season, uh, TNA gave us six. I mean, I just think, I mean, nothing wrong with the player. I just think it's gotten to a point now where Arteta don't see him fitting into his plans and TNA is almost like in, in, in the doldrums at the moment. So, I mean, we probably, he's probably the last we're going to see of him. And I find it a very, very big pity. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, it also comes down to Arsenal Football Club. And I mean, that is the thing that mainly matters to us. What's the best to go forward? Yeah, no, I agree. I'm going to start with the same with the left back. So I'm going to go with you left also the left back. Um, you know, Zinchenko, I'm going to also go with the seven. I mean, he, he had a very good, strong, you know, two thirds of the season up until that, that parts where you could see, you know, he was like visibly making mistakes and, yeah. and, and putting pressure on. Um, Kiritini also a six. I mean, you know, like you said, nothing wrong with the player, but there was just, you, know, you could see there was probably a breakdown between player and coach. I mean, Arteta wanted him to play that specific inverted left-back type of area. He wanted him to play, come into the middle. But Tien is a guy who likes to play outside. And I just think, you know, unfortunately, that's that's how it goes in, yeah. in football. But, um, yeah, um, give you, I'm going to give you 6.5. In the start of the, when I saw him play with that, you know, those Europa League ties, I was very, very concerned with him. I was like, uh, I don't know if I, uh, he should he should be the guy to deputize. But I think, you know, he grew almost from strength to strength, you know, barring that moment against Brighton where, you know, I think he should have been a bit stronger, even though they did stand on the back of his Achilles. Yeah. But I think, um, you know, that's 
kind of a fairy Zelda. I do think he'll go from strength to strength as as the, as his Arsenal career progresses. Um, Gabriel, I'm going to give a seven. Um, very solid at times, um, but um, and like you said, when 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 we needed him the most, um, he, he never stood up and was counted. And you could see he needs somebody vocal, maybe more more you know, calm presence next to him because you're going to put somebody as frantic or not as um, you know, strong to be, as his ability, he kind of is a bit rattled and maybe tries to overcomplicate it too, too much. Yeah. Um, um, Saliba, 8.5. I definitely think he was our defender of the season. Um, we did miss him. He had that coolness about him. Like, they always like referred to him as the Rolls Royce. You know, very, he, never, he never used to break a sweat because you're always right place, right time. But if you needed to, you know, you would be there to do it. Rob Holding, oh, you know, 4.5. I just, I just, you know, the moment he, he came into the side, everything just seemed all over the place. I think um, Arteta maybe trusted him for too long. And yeah. that's what maybe kind of threw him out. You know, maybe Rob Holding playing at the back of a back three with Saliba and Gabriel could have worked. But, you know, not him being alone centre back. And I just think, like you said, at his time now for for the club and, and player to you know part ways, it's the club has moved on on from that era basically. Exactly. Um, uh, right back Ben White, you know, seven point five for me. Like you said, I think the the legs just gave in towards the end. The was tied. I think I don't know what ever happened in the World Cup if that also maybe impacted him somewhat. You know, and. Uh, I just feel that um, if he had been rotated and used, you know, better thing, he probably would have had a better rating. But you know, you could see that Brighton game even at the end, his legs just couldn't carry him anymore. Yeah. Um, so, like you said, the six reason being because um, you know he they were more expected from the player, and I think if that injuries continue to persist. You know, you could see the same kind of guarantee situation where the likes of Arteta, he seems like somebody that if he can't rely on you and you don't stay fit for, you know, I'm not saying he's going to do it after one, you know, freak injury or whatever, but if it, if it seems like he can't rely on you at certain points, you know, he tries to then look for alternative and then that's kind of, so I hope it doesn't happen with him. I mean, he, he was never the proper same after that cough injury he picked up, I think it was, and then yeah, yeah that's that's just that's for me. Yeah. So we move on now to the midfielders. Um Odegaard gave an eight, uh Xhaka gave an eight, Thomas Party a six. I felt 2023 was a him because at times it was almost like unrecognizable, like you know, the guy that was playing with so much confidence and, and you know, playing with passes with the fantastic prowess and that. But, I mean, everything was getting, I don't know, maybe people were figuring him out quicker and that because the amount of times he got caught in possession or, uh, you know, there's a sort of risk he would take in front of the box. And I'm thinking, look, this is like your last line of defense before that your defense is going to get attacked. And he's busy, like you think that West Ham game, he's dawdling with the ball and getting caught in possession. And so for me, it was also like, so part of his game was like unforgivable. Um, Vieira, I gave a five, I found... He went almost like from the sort of string that you saw in the Brighton game early on in the season to, uh, I don't know, he just looked weak in general. Like physically, he was 
not up to scratch for most parts. And I mean, it was getting to a point where uh, when he gets called upon, he's not adding anything to the game, but getting, uh, you know, buffered it over. And then um, Smith Rowe gave a five. You know, as much as I like the play, I just think that that number 10 jerseys become almost like too big for him because uh, he's not really, like, look, I think with us as as Arsenal fans, the old school types, you think that number 10 is going to be your your, your talisman and that, and, you know, the one that's going to defensive defensive locks for you and and, and make various breakthroughs, but uh, absolutely nothing came from him this season. And, I mean, when he was not coming to, to fitness, uh, Arteta almost like didn't make use of him enough, and I think that's also like a domino effect where if you're not using your subs enough, their form is not going to get any better to get you out of the mire. Um, then Jorginho gave a seven, I think, uh, kind of a breath of fresh air that the midfield also needed. I think we when we missed out on Caicedo and that uh, everybody was you know up in arms somewhat, and when he came in, even I was thinking like why him, but I mean now you can actually see how he. Somebody like look, I told you that time uh, in a WhatsApp where I said sometimes I'm like time stands still the way he like I mean even though things are hectic, it's not like he just slows down time to to you know get his passes off or take this thing out of the game. Yeah, no, uh, I I 100% agree with you there. So is it all your material? That, you that's all my material. So I'm also gonna go seven with Jorginho. I feel um you know he whenever he played the. He brought something to the team. I know that his first game against them, Everton, with the sub, didn't you know go too well. But from that point on, you know the, he played very well. I mean, even if he played against City, when Party was injured, you know he did quite well. Keeps the thing ticking. So seven for him. Um, Party. I'm also going to go for a six. You know, he, he, he at 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 crucial points and crucial times in the game. Um, you know, he really let the the team down. Um, Martin Odegaard, I'm going to go for a nine. Mr. Captain, fantastic. Xhaka, um, 8.5. You know, you could feel his presence when he wasn't playing. Yeah. Um, Very, very solid player. Um, Vieira, I'm going to go also 5.5 because, like you said, start of the season, he he seemed like there was something there. And then, you know, as the season went on and after the World Cup, it just seemed like, I don't know, he just never really kicked into gear, probably. And then Emil Smith Rowe, I'm going to give a five. You know, nothing nothing to really talk about, nothing to write home about. Injury yeah. plagued him for a long time. And then that number 10 jersey, like you said, you know, coming from a Dennis Bergkamp or Robert Van Persie, even, you know, the Jack Wilshire. I mean, even at the time it felt maybe a bit heavy for Jack Wilshire, but um, Emil Smith Rowe, you know, there's a lot in the play. And like you said, if a Tetris are going to play you, you know, like it has a knockout effect because I do expect players to to give a consistent run if he doesn't get an opportunity. Exactly. Is that your patch now? Your... Yeah. Okay. So with the forwards, uh, Trossard gave an eight again in the attacking line. I think that there was a sort of breath of fresh air that was needed. I just think uh, Arteta at times underused him because I think he did a lot of things right and then just gets dropped, which I find. Uh, you know, really unfair, you know, the way he was treated in that sense, because I think he, he really offered way more at one point. I think the poorest uh, performance I've seen from him was funny enough against Brighton, because I think it was more a case of him trying to single-handedly try to beat Brighton, and I mean, they just ended up, you know, almost, you know letting the game bypass him, because he almost like he had a, a one-on-one agenda with the, the Zerbi. 
Um, with Jesus, I gave a seven. I still think if he was more lethal, his goal tally would have been way higher. Because I just think he was like he undercut himself the way he, like the sort of lack of sharpness sometimes he has. Like, you know, like he needs a good few chances before, you know, he gets warmed up. Whereas I think you need a more cutthroat type of forward that's going to, you know, like say out of three chances, you need to get about two goals like that. But he almost like he misses, he misses, he misses. And then, you know, like by the seventh or whatever opportunity, he'll score. Uh, Nelson, I gave a seven. I just think also another player underused, offered a hell of a lot when he did come on. I mean, he actually impressed me or livened up games when things were going stale. And I think he could have almost like helped the soccer situation if he was used more and, and Arteta trusted him more. Because I don't know what caused that sort of lack of trust. Because, I mean, he always gives his all when he plays. Um, Eden Kete gave a six. I don't know. It's sort of like it, it was like watching somebody throwing a youngster in, in the deep ocean because I think it's sort of like everything just got too heavy for him. And also, time wise, he was not getting really the best of times from Arteta because sometimes, he, I mean, I, I, for me, it was always unfair when they would give him like five minutes or almost like the injury time to do something. And I think, I mean, how can he now? I mean, he's already trying to just get his way into the game and then you're throwing him in the deep end like that now with, you know, barely minutes on the clock. Um, Saka gave an 8 to fantastic season. I think he also just got overplayed, you know, ground into the ground. Like his, his legs were totally gone close to the end. That's a funny enough that game with Wolves. He actually looked that sort of Saka that we saw at the start of the season. He looked sharp, he looked energized. And I mean, I just hope he also gets a well earned break and not, you know, have to call up, uh, getting called up for England every time now. Um, uh, Martinelli gave a 9. The transition of him from a you know, somebody that's almost like overworked, not overworked, almost like getting almost like too hyper and whatever with the ball. Now he has almost like a more calmer edge to himself. He's more ruthless when he does get the chance. I'm, uh, I love it. And then, I mean, with regards to uh, the coach, Arteta, I give him an 8 out of 10. Could have been higher, but I just think that, that latter part of, of the way he man manages the team for me is almost like takes a few points off his edge. But I mean, Fantastic push anyway, because nobody expected us to beat this, even in the top four this season. Martinelli, I'm going to go also a nine. I think out of our forward line, he was very lethal. You know, sometimes he was anonymous in games, but, you know, you didn't you to give him much opportunity to point to put the ball in the back of the net. And I think Gabriel, Gabriel Jesus can learn for that. Or, you know, you could actually eventually maybe try to play Martinelli as a, as a as a centre forward, you know, just try to take him through behind defenders and get him behind. Um, so there is always an option there um, for that. Um, Trossard eight point five, I think. You know, he was when he ever he played, he was doing something. You know, no matter the opposition, and I think you know he was really dangerous for us. You know, and I think like you said, you know, unfairly pulled out of the team the moment they saw was fit. Yeah. Um, Saka also at eight point five. I think um, he was, you know, the, the real talisman of the team. I think you know everything almost went through him. But if he had to be used properly, you could have probably gotten a ten out of ten out of him because you know I just feel that there were sometimes where his injury, not injury, where he was his fatigue was actually counting against him. My yeah. um, seven. Because you would have expected more from the guy um, when he came back from his injury. Um, because, you know, he started so well. But at the end of it all, he, he, did, he just kind of tapered off with his, with his form. Um, and Ketia, 
I'm going to go for 5.5. You know, he did score those two goals at, 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 against United, which counted, you know. But it's almost like he, he never, he never, like he, he's, like you said, it was too big for him to, to lead the line. But I also think, you know, he, he should be maybe used, you know, maybe when, if you ever try to go with two attackers, because uh, he's, he's not a guy that, that can actually play as a, as an out and out center forward. You know, some strikers thrive playing with another guy with him compared to, you know, some guys prefer playing out and out. So, yeah, that's why I'm going with that. At least Nelson, I'm going to give a 6.5. I mean, yeah. yeah, I think he should have been used more, you know, to, to rest Saka. I mean, Arteta, just like you said, never trusted him. And even when he did start him, you know, when things weren't going well after like 40 minutes in, in the game, you know, you would kind of be or oh, scapegoat after half time. Like, okay, I'm just going to take him off. Um, for someone else, so so yeah, Arteta also. I'm going to give an eight. I think that the, the two to make it the two that is missing for a 10 out of 10 would have been given probably be to win the title, but because of you know not rotating properly and, and his substitutes at the time of, of, of substitutes, um, you know, he never knew how to really, he wasn't really the best at that. You know, you would just throw on players due to desperation at times instead of having thought about it so yeah i'm gonna go with an eight out of ten yeah so aiden that's now it for the season um as we said uh we can only come back again just before like probably a week prior to the uh arsenal usa tour when they play the mls all-stars and you know some of the other teams that are going to be on the way i think man united and barca as well um so what's your take are you gonna have a nice relaxing time away from football for now yeah, no, definitely. I'm just gonna. Um, it's, it's been a stressful season in a good way. I mean, we haven't had this type of stress in a while. I think top four last year was, you know, also its own stress, but a different kind of one. And I think it'll just be nice, you know, just to unwind. Obviously, you're gonna miss the football, you know, that Arsenal games, but you know, it's it's also good to to calm the nerves. Yeah. And it'll be good to be back for the Champions League. Yeah. So, guys, hope you have a fantastic weekend. Have a good summer holidays or wherever you are in the world. Have a good vacation. Take care, guys, and we'll see you guys next season. Bye. Cheers, guys. We'll see you next season. And, and take care and enjoy the summer holidays.